the the title of this of this particular bible study is the power and purpose of the church we're talking about the church why we are here and what we should be doing okay so let's take our reading from mark chapter 16 and verse 15 i think it's what some persons call the great commission um we'll, we'll start the reading from there mark chapter 16 and verse 15 and then we'll trust god to build from there onward the Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth, and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Jesus speaking, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power in heaven, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now these are two scriptures that give us uh, different kinds of details about the final words of Jesus Christ before he left, uh, before he, he left the earth, after the conclusion of his earthly ministry and there are some very important things there that i want us to take note of and then we trust god to build on that and from there now in mark chapter 16 15 where jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature the word translated world there is the greek word cosmos Cosmos means a social system. It means an arrangement of things. So basically, everything as we have it in the world today, economy, politics, um, everything that makes up our current existence makes up the cosmos. Okay, so that was what Jesus said we should go into and preach uh, the gospel to every creature. The word for creature there. Uh, is the Greek word thesis. The K is silent. It's spelled K-T-I-S-I-S. Thesis. It means a building, an ordinance, or an establishment. So when Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature, he didn't say, preach the gospel to every human being. He said, speak the gospel to every creature. So this has to do with whether it's a human being or whether it's a system, a political system, a social system, a religious system, as long as it is something that was created, it is a creature. 
Okay, so um, you know when when we understand this, it begins to help us realign our our thinking about okay, what was Jesus actually saying? And then in Matthew chapter twenty eight, from verse eighteen, he said, "We should teach." teaching all men, okay, and making disciples of all nations. And uh, the word for teach there is the Greek word matetio, which means to disciple or to instruct. And the word nation there is the Greek word ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S, which means uh, the civilized world outside of the Jewish world. It, it was a term used uh, you know, back in those days, to mean Gentiles or heathen, basically it, it, it wasn't referring to barbarians. There were three major sets of people, as far as the Jews were concerned. There were the uh, the there were the Jewish people, okay, and there was the civilized world, which had to do with either the Greeks or the Romans or the Babylonians. All of these were classified as Gentiles, and then there were the barbarians, which uh, maybe at the time had to do with uh, Places like Germania, um, Gaul, uh, which is modern-day Sweden, uh, no, no, modern-day Switzerland, Belgium, France, and and uh, uh, Lithuania or what, what is it called? Uh, some of those countries, and then Germania, of course, is modern-day Germany, and then uh, Britannia, modern-day Britain. All of these people at this time were were regarded as as barbarians. Okay, so. It's important we have this history. So Jesus was telling his disciples, say, go and make disciples of the civilized world. There's a reason why I am going into this, and we will see it as we progress. Now, I want us to take a look at Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13. Please, if you have the message translation, um, you, you would find it really, really interesting. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13. It says, let me tell you why you are here. So Jesus is telling people, not just his disciples now. This is the, uh, the, the what is called the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Okay, he said, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Please, I want us to take note of that. So pretty much it's saying if you lose your saltiness, you've lost your usefulness. Um, let me try and quickly get the King James rendering of it. It says... Uh, it is henceforth, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its his savor, that's its taste, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Please, I want you to take note of something. It didn't say if the salt loses its saltiness, it will go to hell. Okay, and there's a there's a very similar scripture in John chapter. 15 and we're going to take a look at that this is not talking about the judgment of god it is this is jesus trying to tell the people listening to him that if you lose saltiness in other words if you lose your relevance uh you become useless and you will be 
trodden under foot of men under the foot of men just quickly let's take a look at a, a, a very similar scripture in john chapter 15 and we will you know we will come back john chapter 15 and verse 6 jesus said if a man abide not in me he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men okay take note of that again men men gather them and cast them into the fire so this is not talking about hell because it's not men that gather people and and throw them into hell okay but here it says men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned so this is talking about a kind of persecution okay so we see in john chapter 15 it's talking about you know if if you if you are disconnected from the vine uh, which means you stop bearing fruit, okay? And it is men that gather them and cast them. And in Matthew chapter chapter five, it is saying that men will, you know, will 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 trample on 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 any salt that is discarded and because it's not useful. So I, I, I just want us to get that because we're going to build on that. And uh, verse fourteen says, "Here's another way to put it." still from the message translation you are here to be light bringing out the good colors in the world god is not a secret to be kept we are going public with this as public as a city on a hill if i make you light bearers you don't you don't think i'm going to hide you under a bucket do you i'm putting you on a light stand now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. Now, this entire aspect of the Sermon on the Mount is basically Jesus telling the listeners, which included his disciples, of course, about the need to be relevant to men in their generation because if you are not relevant to men in your generation you will be discarded and we're going to look more into that very soon now remember the the title of this of this particular bible study is the power and purpose of the church we're talking about the church why we are here and what we should be doing okay now i wrote this down if you're taking notes you can write it down it says salt and light are too relevant you cannot do without them okay it doesn't matter if you like salt or not it has to be a part of your diet otherwise there are certain diseases and certain uh, certain diseases that are caused by salt deficiency so it really doesn't matter if you like salt or not you are going to have to use salt it doesn't matter if you like light or not you are going to have to use light okay so this message is taught is, is is a call to standing up to being relevant okay uh uh you know you you can say okay uh diabetic people for instance i uh, no hypertensive people i think hypertensive people don't take a lot of salt but still uh they need some salt as a matter of fact there's a disease called goiter and uh, it's it's usually uh, a product of uh, of iodine deficiency 
and that iodine you can easily get from iodized salt okay so there are, there are many diseases that are you know directly associated with with low salt level in the body so salt is very important not just for taste but for for health and salt has healing properties salt has exfoliating properties salt has preservative properties so it's not just for the for the taste of it there are so many other health benefits why we need salt in in our lives now um i wrote this down many christians are discarded by the world because we are useless a lot of christians are discarded like the scriptures that we have read um, if, if you lose your taste, then you are, you are, you are thrown out on the, on the garbage hill, you know. Uh, a lot of Christians are actually very, very, very useless. And if we will be honest with ourselves, outside of the church, you know, outside of religious settings, there are many Christians that really have nothing else to offer to our generation. And this is a problem, you see, because God did not just put us on earth to save souls. And we're going to look more into that. Uh, th- th- there is an importance. That it, it is important that we have balance in, in a lot of these areas. Um, the most important thing in our lives, I mean, salvation is the greatest decision that any man will ever make. Okay. But moving on from that. Okay. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 that let us move on from, from the elementaries, from basics. We have to move on on okay the problem is a lot of christians have dwelt there okay i am saved all i need to do is just you know keep my salvation and i am fine but you see uh when god created man and put man in the garden he gave man an instruction the bible says god blessed man and god said be fruitful fruitful means if you're taking notes you can write this down be fruitful means produce said multiply multiply means reproduce said replenish the earth replenish means distribute it said subdue it subdue it means to control have influence control and have dominion dominion means to dominate that's to 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 uh, exact one's authority and we're going to look more into this because the dominion mandate that god gave to man in genesis was the same one he gave to Noah, was the same one he gave to Abraham, was the same one he gave to the children of Israel, and is the same one that he gave to the church. Okay. I wrote this down. Uh, Outside of religion, many Christians are very unproductive. And I also wrote this down. Do not seek to be loved. Seek to be relevant. Okay, like I said earlier, you may not like salt and you may not like light, but they are too relevant and you cannot do without them. And so it is not an accident that Jesus used salt and light, two things that are so relevant that it does not matter your opinion about them. It doesn't matter how you feel about them. You are still going to have to associate with them in your lifetime. Okay, so I wrote this down also. Uh, We are not the light... Of the church we are the light of the world you know let me digress a little bit right now a lot a lot is happening around the world for the first time in my lifetime for the first time in my lifetime something is happening around the world that has a direct impact on every single person 
on the face of the earth. Direct impact. I don't even think the world wars had this kind of direct impact. Uh, there, there are people in some places in Africa that were not even aware that there was a world war going on. Okay, the whole coronavirus thing is affecting everybody. It's really, really affecting everybody. But you see, that's not the point. The point is, it's showing the world how relevant or irrelevant we are. When there are no gatherings and when there are no assemblies and when there are no programs going on, what is the church good for? What is the use of the church? You know, um, so everybody's at home. Okay, yeah, right now they're allowing gatherings again in some countries. But, you know, it, it, it really makes us begin to ask questions like, okay, is it that if the building is locked, then the church is useless? And, you know, we're all Christians here, so we can we can be honest with each other. Is it that if the church building is locked, then the... the I know so many ministers personally that have been completely useless all this while that um, because they don't have somebody to scream praise the Lord and then they, they shout hallelujah right back at them. Okay, but Jesus designed for us to be much more than this. And we're going to be taking a look at some of these things. We are not sent to the church. We are sent to the world. Okay, this, this, this means that we need to come out of this comfort zone of, you know, I, I understand, you know, people enjoy going to church. I enjoy going to church too. I enjoy fellowship with other believers. But you see, it is designed for us to encourage each other and empower each other so that we can go out there and be relevant to the world, not to the church. And you begin to see, let me, let me say this. Um, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, the average very religious Christian cannot hold down a conversation with an unbeliever for 30 minutes. And this is a problem. We think we think it is us being spiritual, but actually it is us being being irrelevant. Okay, um, if, if they put you in a room with people that do not believe in Jesus Christ, can you be relevant to them? Can you can you say things that will make them honor and respect you without making reference to the Bible? These things are important because Jesus did not always quote scriptures. Even Paul did not always quote scriptures. There were certain places that Paul went to and he reasoned with them intellectually. So we are not sent to the church. We are sent to the world. And if outside the church we do not have any significant relevance, then it shows that we are failing Christ in our assignment. Because the scriptures we read earlier, for those of us that are just coming in, uh, Mark chapter 16 from verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world. He didn't say go into all the church. Okay? Uh, uh, and, 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 and in Matthew chapter 28 from verse 18, he said, you know, make disciples of all nations. You know, we, we have been hearing about revival, 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 revival. I'm a, I'm a student of history. Um, I studied the, the Welsh revival that was spearheaded by Evan Roberts in Wales. And I also studied the Azusa Street revival that was um, spearheaded by, um, oh, I've forgotten his name, the black man, uh, William J. Seymour. Yes, William J. Seymour. And these two revivals were revivals that caught up, uh, you know, the, the impact caught across the world. 
But there is a sad thing to note about these revivals that none of them really lasted. As a matter of fact, the peak period was just about a year for both of them. Have you noticed that revivals don't last five years? There, there, there is, uh, you know, it's called a great awakening. It comes and revivals are beautiful. Why? It, it's called revival because it, uh, it, it stirs up the spirit of man to accept God again. Okay, but why is it that revivals don't last? Why is it that um, it's like it's like getting high on a drug or getting high on something? You know, everybody just gets euphoric and 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 churches are getting full and this that 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 and then suddenly, bam! It's like nothing ever happened. I mean, I don't know um, if you've ever been to England or you've ever been to Wales. If you if you've been to Wales and you are reading about the Welsh revival, you will find it really difficult to connect what is happening in Wales right now to the revival that they said happened then what is the problem is this how god designed it to be is it is it, are these things supposed to be happening in, in flashes like shooting stars no god designed for us to be more god designed for us to do more and revival is more like the 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 production the reproduction and uh, maybe the distribution phase and that is where a lot of us stop as believers okay we we produce so we 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 uh we we lead people to christ right we reproduce so we get the people that we have led to christ to lead other people to christ and this is beautiful okay and we distribute in the sense that um Churches plant branches. That's that's our only idea of distribution. Okay, churches plant branches, or we move, carry the program from place to place to place to place. But that is that is as far as we go. Let me say this: comparing ourselves with the early church does not honor God. Why? Because God's system for man is designed to be progressive. The early church uh, uh, came at a time where the church like like we call it the early church the church was just being born the church was in its infancy and they tried to produce reproduce and distribute okay but if all we are doing is producing reproducing and distributing there's going to come a point where we will no longer be relevant let me give us an example in Nigeria today, you know, the, 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 the Muslims, of course, I believe they always try to manipulate uh, census figures to make it look like there are more in the north. Okay, but if you actually go to the north, you, you discover that the, the settlements are really clustered. They have vast land, okay, but most of the land is barren and the, the settlements are really, really clustered compared to when you go to the south. Okay, but they try to make it look like they have the numbers and they try to make it look like uh, the religion and of course for political purposes we understand some of these things it's for political purposes okay so nobody really knows the true number of the people in the north okay because this these figures are manipulated but you see the thing is this as far as i know there are more christians in nigeria than muslims but the statistic figures say 50 50 but no problem but do you know that at this very moment we do not really have Christians that can legislate and uh, that are relevant enough in government to to push through certain things. I mean, look at Nigeria. Uh, 
the head of pretty much every every major security outfit and every major apart from the vice president are all muslims okay they are all muslims i'm driving at something here this is not a political discourse okay um statistics says we are 50 50 but yet the entire government the judiciary the 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 executive the legislature okay both first and uh, upper and lower chamber are all controlled by muslims so you see that having numbers alone uh, producing reproducing and distributing alone does not get the job done you can be a lot of you and still be very irrelevant when you go to south africa you will be very surprised and you will keep asking questions how apartheid survived in south africa because the whites are still the minority they've been in south africa for god knows how many years and they are still the minority and then you begin to ask yourself how was it possible for you know a, a, a race that is barely 10 percent or maybe just a little over 10 percent to completely dominate we need to stop celebrating numbers and start you know pushing towards relevance is number a bad thing? No, the Bible says that, you know, the honor of a king is in multitude of men. Okay, so there is nothing wrong with numbers. There's nothing wrong with having lots and lots of numbers. There's nothing wrong with having large congregations. But like I'm trying to explain, you can have the numbers and still be at the wrong end of the bargain if you do not have influence and if you are unable to dominate. The Boas dominated the South Africans and they 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 didn't lose power they ceded it like they decided okay 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 come and take even though the 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 south africans had the numbers and they still have the numbers and as i speak to you right now the whites and a, a particular um um indian family called the guptas they are running south africa you know they, they are not in government no, they are not in government, but they run the economy. They run most of the businesses uh, from South African Airways to 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 telecom to to their postnet to their railway system. All of these things, you know, they'll put South Africa there to make everybody feel like, ah, we all own it. And then DSTV and MTN, if you check the MDs are black people, so it makes the black people feel like we are running these companies. But at the end of the day, the whites and the Indians are running it. So it is not necessarily in numbers. As a matter of fact, if you go through scriptures, God does not use multitudes. He doesn't. He told, he told uh, uh, what's his name, Gideon, he said, trim down your army. Trim down your army. God, God doesn't use multitudes. Okay, so this is one area that the church continues to fail because we are celebrating gathering large crowds that think like us in the same building but then there are a few persons out there that make laws and make rules that ultimately impact on all of us. So with our tongue, with our Holy Spirit, with our salvation, we are subject to these laws. Oh yes, thank you, Mr. Mike. <laughs> well, Mr. Mike said, the means to economic growth is not political, but long-term strategic thinking. And that is absolutely true. Uh, that is absolutely true. Because like I said, um, the, the people running South Africa are not in the government. They are, not, they, are, they are not in the government at all. But they are the ones running South Africa. And they are the ones running because they are the ones running the politicians. So at the end of the day, there is no true power 
without economic power. There's no true power without economic power, but we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. Okay, now let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and let's pick something out. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, okay? Who went about doing good? The thing is, most times when we read this scripture, we just go to the part where it says, And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But we forget that it mentions that who went about doing good. And when I checked the meaning of the word good, it's actually where they get the word philanthropy from. So Jesus was a philanthropist. Think about it. The first miracle that Jesus did was forget about all the other, you know, all the other texts and things that they tried to make it look like Jesus was doing miracles as a child. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 2, that the first miracle that Jesus did was turning water to wine. Can you imagine that? A very, very, very carnal miracle with no spiritual significance. Think about it. Jesus, okay, this is how he's going to launch into ministry. And then he turns water to wine. And, you know, when it says water to wine, he's not talking about Fanta. It's actually wine. The Jewish people use alcohol, okay? Um, the wine is fermented grapes. They drink wine. They drink alcohol. Uh, I am not, I, I don't drink alcohol. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like it. Um, but, you know, the, the idea that drinking, you know, if, if you take alcohol, you are, you are, you know, you are less of a Christian. You know, I, I don't want to go much into that. There is, there is need for moderation. There is need for balance. Paul told Timothy that, you know, take a little wine for your belly because of your frequent infirmities. And uh, Timothy obviously had a stomach trouble that Paul was encouraging him to take wine for because of the alcoholic properties. So let's not try to help the Bible. Okay, when you see wine in the Bible, it has to do with um, an alcoholic drink. Of course, not as alcoholic as vodka and and the other things that people take today. Okay, so it was a natural fermentation process. Okay, and that, that was Jesus. The, the first miracle Jesus did, he turned water to wine. Please, I'm not encouraging people to drink beer. This, that's not what I'm doing here. I'm just trying to say what the Bible says and what it doesn't say. Okay, um, Jesus turned water to wine to meet a very physical and carnal need. And several other times we see Jesus, uh, you know, multiplying food for people to eat. We see Jesus bringing uh, 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 money out of the mouth of a fish. Um, you know, so that they could pay their taxes. And we see Jesus helping the disciples, both at the beginning, uh, you know, and at the end, to catch fish. Okay, any anointing that has no day-to-day uh, -day relevance to the lives of people is being underutilized. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And what did he do? He went about doing good and healing okay he was doing good and healing doing good and healing the problem is we are so focused on you know the spiritual oh my job is to feed you spiritually no but jesus went about doing good jesus fed people naturally did you notice we're going to read one scripture very soon uh we're going to read one scripture very soon you know jesus said that when the son of man returns with great power and glory in matthew 25 he said then uh, many will come to me and I'll tell them, you know, um, that I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me water to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. Did you notice Jesus did not say anything about uh, I was sick and you laid hands on me? Everything he said there were, were practical, physical things. 
let's let's take a look at that matthew chapter 25 matthew chapter 25 from verse 34 it says then shall the king say unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for i was hungered and you gave me meat i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and ye took me in naked and ye clothed me i was sick and ye visited me I was in prison and ye came unto me. Did you notice? Can, can you see all of these things are very natural things. None of them has to do with, uh, I was in danger and you interceded for me. Uh, I was this and you laid hands on me. No, all of these things are very, very, very natural things. And when you look at the flip side, uh, okay, let, let's look at, Verse 37 says, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When when saw we a stranger and all of that? And, and verse 40 says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Okay? And, and then when you look at uh, verse 41, it says, Then shall he say unto them, on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, and uh, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Did you notice he didn't say anything about um, you did not sow seed, or you did not pay tithes, or you did not speak in tongues long enough? Or he, he is talking about very, very natural things, about how we relate with. Did you notice when they asked Jesus, say, what are the two, you know, what are, what is the greatest commandment? He said, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, life is summarized in two things, our relationship with God and our relationship with men. And I dare to say that as far as relationship with men is concerned, the church is lagging behind. When I say relationship with men, I'm not talking about your fellow church members. That is important. That is important. But how many people around you, you know, light attracts. Think about it. Light attracts. If you turn your light on in the night, you are going to see all sorts of insects you never knew existed coming to your light. Light also repels. Light repels darkness. Okay? Now, the thing is this. If we are really being salt and light, we are going to be so relevant that even people that don't like us will come to us. If this is not happening, it shows there's something wrong. Let me tell, let, let, let me be very honest with us. The world hates the church not because we are spiritual. The world hates us because we are irrelevant. We are very irrelevant and we come out and make noise and try to make sure everybody is listening to us because we are gathering numbers. But the truth is we are irrelevant. So um, I, I said, uh, Jesus did not only meet spiritual needs, he used his anointing to meet carnal needs. Any anointing that is not relevant to the everyday world is being underutilized. Now please, if you are taking note, I want you to write this down. Revival, relevance, and reformation. Under revival, write fruitful, multiply, replenish. Under relevance, write subdue. Under reformation, write dominate. So I'll take it again. Revival, 
be fruitful, multiply, replenish, relevance, subdue, reformation to dominate. The church has been stuck in the revival phase for too long. So we pray for revivals, we pray and we pray and we pray for revivals. A revival begins, but after a few months or at most a few years, it petters away. It, it just fades. Why? It is because we do not have systems to contain it. Did you notice that uh, the, the woman that her husband, you know, the, the woman that was a widow and her husband used her sons as collateral? The Bible says that, you know, as soon as there were no more containers, the oil stopped flowing. The oil had the capacity to keep flowing, but it needed containers to be contained. The problem is, we don't. If, if you read about the Welsh revival, you, you can read it in God's Generals and you can read it in uh, Rick Joyner's book, A World Aflame. Both of them give very detailed account of the Welsh revival. And your heart will be broken as to how the revival crumbled. And this is not the will of God. You know, it's like, it's like God keeps giving to us and then we keep scattering it. And the church right now is at a place of very little to none serious influence or relevance. People respect us just because we have numbers, okay, and uh, just because we have a history. And for some, it's because they are trying to be politically correct. But right now, the church is making more noise than putting out substance. Back in the days, the likes of Albert Einstein, the likes of a uh, um, um, guy that discovered gravity, you know, uh, Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton was a monk. Okay, he was a Christian monk. Okay, there was a time when every invention came out from the church. But right now, all we are doing is making a lot of noise. We're, we're making a lot of noise. And if we keep praying for revival, it will come. A lot of persons will get saved, but in a short while, like the Welsh revival, like the Azusa Street revival, it's going to look like nothing ever happened. We need to decide if we are gathering an army or a mob. It's very easy to gather a mob. You can just say a few things and people will begin to gather. But the truth is they won't stand the test of time. Jesus did not ask us to gather a mob. He said making disciples of all nations it means these people need to be trained and they need to they need to be taught it's it's an army these are the people that can fight and win battles we cannot win battles with mobs i know of certain prophets that were in south africa and while they were there they were gathering crowds hundreds of thousands and then they leave south africa and in a few months there is no trace of their ministry anymore why they, they didn't raise an army they gathered a mob and it's it's a it's it's an uh it's a very familiar it's a very familiar scenario with the body of christ when you go to turkey turkey was once upon a time called constantinople it was a christian christian country constantine named it after himself and he was going to dedicate that place to because he said rome had been corrupted with so much idolatry and then he named constantinople you know after himself that this city is going to be dedicated to god but right now if you go to turkey there is no trace of christianity same thing is happening in europe same thing is creeping into america and if we keep sitting down and making noise you see there is something let, let me let me let me say this there is something that the muslims do 
in, 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 in Europe and America. A Muslim man comes into a city. He brings, he tries to bring his family and they are living in a house. Okay. And they are all doing one kind of business or the other. And they, uh, they, they, they keep helping each other and more Muslims come and they are living in that one house. And then finally they help one. He moves to another house and then he begins to do the same thing. Okay, he brings his own relations and then they grow and grow and grow and grow and then they gather money and then that one moves into his own house and they bring and then before you know it, an entire town has been taken over by Muslims, not just for their religion, but for the fact that they now own the businesses, they now own all the properties, they now own everything happening around there. I heard that in the UK, there are certain places that if you go in there, you will find it difficult to find a Christian right now in the UK. Okay, these people are not, they are not doing crusades like us. Right now, it is said that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. They are not doing crusades like us. They are not, uh, uh, okay, they have television stations, but not as much as we do. But think about it. What, what is going on? These people have learned how to leverage on creating systems. They create a system where you cannot doubt their relevance. And you cannot chase them out. But we are just busy making noise, feeling like, you know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So everything and everyone should bow to us. And this is why the church continues to lose power, lose ground, and lose relevance. I once heard a... a a great man of God say that soul winning is the heartbeat of God. But I disagree. Because um, God had a heartbeat before there, there were souls that needed to be saved. And um, it, it's statements like that that make people feel like all we need to do as believers is evangelism. All we need to do as believers is evangelism. And this is a problem. This is a very, very, very big problem. Um, the richest man in Nigeria for the last 10 plus years has been a Muslim man. Uh, even the other ones that are not Muslims, we don't even know that they are born again. Let's be honest with ourselves. We don't even know that they are born again. They may, they may carry non-Muslim names, but we cannot really claim that these people are Christians. And we're losing ground because we have become so heavenly minded and earthly useless. If, if heaven is the ultimate, then God should have taken us to heaven the moment we, we got saved. Revival is elementary. Control is the goal. God wants us to control the system. Now think about this. Jesus Christ in his own ministry had friends in the government. Jesus Christ had a friend that could walk up to Pontius Pilate and tell him, give me his body. And did you notice Jesus Christ never visited any poor man in the Bible? Actually, read your Bible. He never did. Every house he ever went to, you know, was the house of a rich man. And Jesus had, you know, lots of influential people around him. And it's because he understood the, the power of influence. The 12 disciples that had walked with him for three and a half years, none of them had the capacity to claim his body. His body would have been, I don't know what they would have done to his body. If a man like Joseph of Arimathea was not there to go to Pilate and say, give me his body. So if we think that speaking in tongues and, and, and preaching hot, hot, hot sermons 
will will fix everything we will keep growing in number but we will keep declining in relevance because like i said if you look and if we are very honest with ourselves when you think about the uk for instance uh, i know uh, some of us have probably been to the uk it, it's a england is a very small country england can fit four times into nigeria as far as landmass is concerned and the population is not much nigeria is i don't know how many times more than england in population but think about this england colonized america colonized canada colonized australia colonized china colonized india colonized all of southern africa colonized nigeria and ghana very small country there was something that they understood they are called the united kingdom and these people truly exhibited the kingdom mindset it's not in the numbers how many soldiers could they have brought from england to nigeria to colonize it it's not in numbers let's stop celebrating um, um, um numbers that that are only relevant for statistical purposes and no more think about it china india australia canada america all of these countries the whole of the caribbean the whole of southern africa and they were doing all of this at the same time and it makes me think how many people were left in england how many how many people were left there if they were spread so thin all across the world and they were controlling at the same time it's amazing there was an understanding that these people had it's not in the numbers the thing is the church needs to arise if we don't begin to get relevant we will have the numbers but we will be under subjugation just like the zulus and the, and the Corsas and the and, and, and all those people in south africa had the numbers but they were under subjugation for such a long time under people that that were there are four major races in south africa they are the blacks they are the the colored the colored is, is a mix of black and any other thing uh, they, they are the blacks they are the colored they are the indians and then they are the whites and i think i'm not sure the whites and the indians which are less okay but the whites are, are very 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 few but they control all of these people so when we are talking of of kingdom expansion please i need us to stop thinking uh soul winning soul winning is important it's important but remember produce reproduce distribute control dominate we have stopped at distribution and even the distribution we're not doing it very well we need to create systems where we can begin to control and dominate and that is why when i see christians criticize other believers that are establishing christian universities and telling us that uh you know when the missionaries came the schools were for free you know it, it just shows how we are thinking remember what i said earlier comparing ourselves to the early church does not honor god it doesn't because god expects us to be progressive the early church came at a time where the church was being born and so the assignment was to produce reproduce and distribute and they did that fantastically well we are in a generation where we are supposed to control and dominate but we are still looking back and we keep producing reproducing and and trying to distribute and we're losing ground we're losing influence we're losing relevance people don't hate the church 
because we are spiritual. People hate the church because we are irrelevant. Like I said earlier, for those of us that are just joining in, salt and light, these were the things that Jesus used to describe us, salt and light. It doesn't matter if you like salt or not. It doesn't matter if you like light or not. You cannot do without it. We have to become so relevant that they may not like us, but they cannot do without us. Right now, let's be very honest. A lot of us may not like the Muslims, but we cannot do without them. If Dan Gote says he's leaving Nigeria today and he's shutting down all his businesses, all of us are going to be in trouble. Because the salt we take, the sugar we take, the cement we use, right now he's going into petroleum. He is controlling the country. When his refinery kicks off, he's going to be doing fertilizer, he's going to be doing petrol, diesel. He is controlling the country. With our faith, with our tongues, we are increasing in number, we are getting larger auditoriums, and it's a beautiful thing. Okay, but if that's all we are seeing, and if we think that is the extent of the purpose of the church, then we are very, very, very mistaken. Let's read, uh, let's read Isaiah chapter 61 as we try to wrap up. From verse 1 says the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord and the day of vengeance of our god to comfort all that mourn in zion and to appoint unto all them that mourn in zion i beg your pardon to give unto them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness the planting of the lord that he might be glorified now these are all products of the anointing that came on him okay now let's see verse 4 it says and they shall build the old wastes they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities the desolation the desolations of many generations so as much as the anointing enables to bind the brokenhearted to you know to heal to 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 open the uh, to to free the captives and to do all of these things part of it is also now now you see it didn't say and he shall build the old ways okay it says and they who are the they all of these people that have been freed and that have been delivered the anointing is on Jesus so that he can do all of these things for these people. And as a result, they shall build the old wastes and shall and they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. So you see the imbalance now. So Christ has done all of these other things for us. Okay, and all we are doing is trying to do the same things that Christ has done for us, which is not bad. But there is much more that we are supposed to be doing. We are supposed to be building the old wastes. We are supposed to be building systems that can hold and contain the harvest that God is bringing into the body of Christ. I'm not talking about building large auditoriums. Okay, um, Sunday mornings are beautiful, but you know, true Christianity is tested on Monday mornings. True Christianity is tested on Wednesdays, on Thursdays. Okay, it's not all of us in church looking all good and sanctimonious, saying praise the Lord, hallelujah, kumbaya, and all of that stuff. But true Christianity is put to the test in our everyday life. 
and this is the area where the church still has so much work to do so if if there are countries fighting the church today it's not because of our spirituality let's stop spiritualizing it it's just because we are not relevant if i mean look at a country like uh uh a country like zambia for instance okay zambia is 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 mostly christian and they pretty much control everything okay they they, they pretty much control everything they make the laws the, the laws they make the rules they they make all of these and all of that and all of that just like we have muslim countries and and you see the truth is have you noticed that you cannot really separate if you go to the middle east you cannot really separate their religion from their culture it's all intertwined it's all one and the same thing so um if you are going to accept their culture then whether you like it or not you are going to be accepting some of their religion that's how it works and they are so relevant we cannot do without them we need to we need to wake up and we need to we need to arise to greater responsibility the the purpose of the church is not just soul winning we are supposed to take over the systems we are supposed to dominate we are supposed to control and it begins from where we are you know um let's not wait until we get into government it begins from where we are and you know everything we do should reflect our faith and our faith should reflect in everything that we do okay um you know there, there are people that try to say um no you know what let's leave this in church let's leave no no you and your faith is one thing your faith is a belief system so you rise and fall with it let's stop trying to make it look like uh, okay i am a christian but now i am a politician so uh, and that's the problem because there are many politicians out there that have christian names and they go to church but you cannot count on them to stand for the body of Christ. Why? Because they are not really Christians. They were probably just born in church, or they, they need the, the, the... You know, these days people just use us for political reasons, because we have the numbers. You can imagine President Dwari went to redemption camp when he wanted to get voted in, because he knows that Pastor Adeboe has the numbers. But right now, those numbers are not counting for much for the body of Christ. Christians are being slaughtered, the body of Christ will scream, Khan will scream, everybody will scream, and that's all we are doing. We are screamers. We are just screaming. Nobody's paying attention to us. Nobody's listening to us. Why? Because we are not in a place where we can control anything. And even the few that are there are not really Christians, so they are just protecting their own political interests. We need to arise. Um, God has called us to greater responsibilities. And there is, a, there is an extent to which we can promote the kingdom of God if we do not have true power and influence. If all we are doing is speaking in tongues and doing all of these things, trust me, one of the reasons that Christianity is not being accepted in Europe right now is because why do we need it? Why do we need it? They have systems that are working perfectly without God. So why do I need God? You know, in Nigeria, I can tell people, you know, if you give your life to Christ today, you will have a better life, you will have a better job, Jesus will do it for you, Jesus will do that for you. But you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't say that to them, they already have it. So you need to offer them something much more. You need, to, you need to give to them something more, something more powerful and something more tangible. And um, the, the Muslims, unfortunately for us, are doing that because they are relevant, they have money. They have uh, they have so many things that even even if you don't like them, okay, see what I'm saying? Relevant. Even if you don't like them, you you have no choice 
bought to identify with them. Right now, a lot of the football clubs in England are being bought over by Muslims. Manchester City has been bought over by Muslims. Uh, I hear Newcastle is about to be bought by the Arab Prince. And even though people are barking and saying, hey, ha, 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 oh, the guy is this, the guy is that, he is still going to buy it. These guys are controlling the systems. Now, try to imagine if these guys now own all your favorite football clubs, whether you like it or not, you may not like them, but they are too relevant to be ignored. And this is what we should be pushing for, to be too relevant to be ignored. It doesn't matter if they like us or not. We should be so relevant that they cannot do without us. That even though they don't like us, they will still be inviting us because we are too relevant. If people are trying to push Christianity out of their, out of their countries, out of their systems, it's simply because we are not relevant. And let's just call it what it is. Let's stop saying, ah, they don't love Jesus. They don't love the Lord. They don't love this. No, just stop it. Just stop it. It's us. We are the problems. We are the problems. We are representing Christ in a very, very, very bad way. And that is why they don't like us. I'll close with this. I watched a video sometime. I don't know how many of us must have seen that video. Of a guy in England. I think it was in London. I'm not sure where in England. Okay, he took a microphone and stuff and he was preaching. He was standing in the middle of a walkway and he was preaching at people. Okay, I, I don't call that preaching to people. I call it preaching at people. And, uh, you know, some ladies came to him and said, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this. And he was standing in front of a gay something. I can't remember. Anyway, and he was talking and talking and talking. And then somebody called the police. You know, and then the policeman came and the policeman was actually very polite was talking to him and he said he has the right to preach. The policeman said, I know, but right now people are complaining that you are bothering them. Okay. And, you know, I, I saw that period, people making all sorts of comments, say, ha, the body of Christ is under attack. Ha, this, that, 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 ha. And I was, I was just so disappointed. Like, God, is this the best that the body of Christ can do right now? Is this the best that we can do? And then people were trying to make it look like it's persecution and it's this and it's that. And I said, this is not persecution. He is this, he's, he's bothering people. And they said, and they called the police. They didn't lynch him. They called the police. They said, this guy is bothering us. You know, it's only in Nigeria you see somebody, you know, uh, pray loud all night disturbing the neighbors because both of us are Christians and so you should understand that I am praying. You know, we need to go past this. We need to get past this. Okay, all we are doing is constituting a nuisance. We are not being relevant to anybody. And I was trying to tell somebody like, you know, what this guy is doing is wrong. They say, no, he's preaching the gospel. Is this, is that. I'm like, he's not preaching to get anybody saved. He's preaching to make a point. Because he had somebody else with a camera phone recording him to show that, uh, you know, he's being persecuted. And I'm like, come on, is this, is this what we are now? And then a friend of mine who is a pastor in the UK was saying, you don't know what we go through here. Uh, this, that, that. And I said, relax. All you need to do is study the history of the church in Europe, especially in England. And when you see the things and the atrocities that were committed in the name of the church and in the name of God, you will understand why Christianity is so hated and why we need to do a lot more than what we are doing to be accepted and to gain any ground. And the only way to do that is to be so relevant that they cannot deny that they need us. Okay, so um, I'd, I'd like to take questions now or comments if, if there's somebody that wants to say something.
please, it's important we know that you cannot witness to people you hate. And you find it very difficult to witness to people that hate you. Just understand that you cannot witness to people you hate. And you will find it very, very, very difficult to witness to people that hate you. And there are people, certain people in the Bible that we celebrate and and we, you know, we, we talk about a lot. The likes of Joseph in the Bible, Daniel, Esther, Nehemiah, all of these people were people that God used at different times to control systems. Okay. Joseph, he said that God has made me a father unto Pharaoh. This was a non-Egyptian, but he was so relevant through the wisdom of God, through the wisdom of God on his life. Now, we need to understand that Joseph did not become prime minister of Egypt because he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. He became prime minister of Egypt because he was able to profess solutions. It's very important that we understand that. And we need to understand also that Daniel... Okay, okay, I'll I'll answer that question now. Okay, Daniel was also not relevant just because he could interpret dreams. The Bible said that Daniel was more excellent than everybody else in his class. Okay, so it's 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 very important that we we look beyond. You know, in the whole book of Esther, God is not even mentioned. You know, I, I find that very interesting. Okay, Mr. Mike is asking, how best should we execute the revival distribution and other mandates? Okay, um, I think the church is well grounded in how to do revivals. Um, the truth is this. All we need to start a revival somewhere is for a few persons to come together and pray for revival. And revival will come. Okay, but the problem usually is the revivals don't last. As a matter of fact, I believe that the time taken to pray for revival usually are even longer than the duration of, of the entire revival. Okay, so um, I think we quite know how to spark revivals in cases. Revivals are generally uh, sparked by prayers of sincere, genuine people that decide to commit their hearts and say, Lord, we need revival in this city, we need revival in this place. Okay, and uh, and the distribution is something that we're also doing. Um, the, the church has, uh, through Christian television, we're doing that, through church planting, we're doing that, and all of that. But you see, the problem is, all we are doing, all we are distributing is religion, and that is the problem. Okay, we need to start distributing religion with substance. And that is the strategy that the body of Christ needs to begin to adopt. We, we need to not just export religion, we need to also export value. Okay, so that I, I believe that is the problem with the church at the moment because all we are doing is receive my religion and then nothing more. And then when they've received your religion and you have left, someone else comes with religion and value. Okay, let me give us a story. Just very recently, a friend of mine called me and told me he was worried about another friend of his that in school could not pay his school fees. This guy was a member of the fellowship, committed. And he went and told the fellowship president, and they kept saying, ah, there's no money, there's no this, there's no that. And a few of his Muslim classmates realized he was struggling with school fees. And they gathered money together and paid his school fees and told him, we are inviting you to Islam. Right now, the guy is a Muslim. And that is what Muslims do. They are very good at it. If you are in trouble and you go to them, they will give you value and religion. 
but all we are selling to people is religion and so that is the problem we are distributing but we are not distributing value we are only distributing religion and this is why we are limited okay um, i'm going to answer mrs omolara's question she said how do we control and dominate we control and dominate simply by by creating value okay um like the salt and light illustration it's about creating value of things that people simply cannot resist it may not everybody's not going to be as rich as dangote okay but in our little ways for instance like like i was saying about christian universities right now there was a time in nigeria that there was (laughs) that's true mr mike we don't have a support system and that's why we're having this conversation okay there was a time uh in nigeria that there were very few universities and people even if you passed wayek and you passed jam you had to wait so many years to get admission okay it was that bad and then christians began to build universities and the same church began to criticize these christians for charging huge fees for building these universities but they forgot that number one these christian universities don't have government funding okay they don't have government funding number two quality education is expensive I don't think there's any school in the UK now that you can go to for with less than £10,000. People are happy to pay it and go there, but when in the church we're asked to, uh, when a Christian university says, okay, pay 500000 then we're saying, uh, when the missionaries came, they gave us education for free. This is the problem. The missionaries came to reproduce and to distribute, but these schools right now are created to control and dominate because think about it if a muslim or somebody that is not so interested in religion ends up in a place like covenant university or redeemers university or kingsway university there is no way that that person will not automatically come under the control of that system i attended a primary school a private primary school that was owned by a christian woman okay and there was no islamic religious studies and every every um every student had to do christian religious studies whether you're a muslim or you're a christian every student every student on the assembly ground we prayed the christian prayer we did the christian things you know and all of that so it was very simple if you were coming to that school you had to conform to the rules of that school it was owned by a christian woman and she controlled the system in her own little way now try to imagine more christians creating systems okay more believers creating systems that you know can can actually and and people cannot resist okay it's not systems that people can you know right now everybody watches uh, not, not everybody but a lot of people watch let me let me paint a picture a very bad picture a lot of men right now watch football like i said the arab countries a lot of these princes are already buying off you know a lot of the top football clubs if they continue at that rate do not be surprised that a point will come where they will begin to make muslim prayers in stadiums before a football game begins don't be surprised we may just get there if if they own the money they've bought the clubs they've bought everything they can pretty much control what happens okay so we need to start in our own little way uh, to answer your question um (laughs) yes 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 mr mike they can absolutely delay yes they can delay a second half or delay a game say we want to go and pray 
or they can say uh, Ramadan is coming so no football for the next one month after Ramadan we can come back and play football they may well do that if you've been in the Middle East before you know that um, uh, Fridays uh, they don't work on Fridays they don't work on Saturdays they work on Sunday Sunday is the, the first day of office okay uh, a lot of countries don't celebrate Christmas as a matter of fact in Bornea it is a crime to celebrate Christmas it is it is a crime to celebrate Christmas you see so so um, you know this these are some of those things that in, in our little way but you see the problem is this a Christian man owns an organization and he's an elder in his church let me give this very sad example he's an elder in his church and instead of creating a system he is rather flirting with the young ladies in his organization and then they begin to even find his faith and his christianity repulsive so instead of the, the, the few people that are even in positions of influence that they can do certain things instead of them using this influence positively they are using it negatively and in a very counterproductive way okay but we need to start from where we are we need to we need to you know we need we need to do the most with with um you know with what we have and that's why it's important we remember that we are living epistles so it's not about preaching the gospel at people it's about living you know an exemplary life and trying to make the most of what god has given to us make the most of what god has given to us create systems of influence around it you know thank god for people like joyce meyer thank god for people like td jakes they do a lot for people they do a lot for people and uh pastor tony rapu is one is one person that has really been doing a remarkable job right now in nigeria and god bless him for that i want to call our attention to something have we noticed that the catholic church does not do many crusades in fact they don't do lots of evangelism but they keep growing and they keep spreading just think about that it's very simple they have they have influence and they have a control system the catholic church they don't do they don't do katikati like we Pentecostals. They don't. But they keep spreading. A Catholic, uh, they, they'll come to a place and they'll buy a lot of land, even if they don't have any immediate use for it. Then they'll build a small church and they'll build a school. And they keep growing in influence and keep growing in influence. Look, uh, the church, we have a lot to learn. How many of us know that Lagos Business School is owned by Catholics? I don't know if you're aware of it, but one day I was on a flight coming to Abuja and I was with a man and he was telling me that his friend started Lagos business. He said he was there was there was a sect of the Catholic Church that he said he was from. Like they just focus on business people and all of that. He's a priest. The man I was with on the flight was a priest. And he was telling me all of these things. And I was like, wow, Lagos Business School. Do you know how many people have gone through Lagos Business School? Christians, Muslims, whatever. And it's a Catholic-owned institution. Yes, Opus Day. Thank you, Mister Mister Mike. It's Opus Day. That's that's the name. <laughs> that's the name. Uh, it's a sect in the Catholic Church called Opus Day. Okay. So I, I hope um, I don't know. I hope somebody is dead. I hope that somebody got something out of this today. But I have made a decision in my own life that my relevance is not going to, you know, going to be limited to the four walls of the church. And with everything within me and with every God-given ability, I am going to make sure that 
I make a mark in my generation and in this world for Christ. Okay, that people will, you know, will will look at so much. You know, we 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 celebrated Kaka a lot. You know, when he was a footballer, simply it was very simple because he was a very influential footballer. Okay, and then every time he scored a goal, he would say, "I belong to Jesus." And guess what happened? Because of Kaka, FIFA made regulations that people should no longer display writings on their shirts. See that? Because he was just one man in a sea of so many other influences. You know, and uh, so right now, if you take off your shirt and there's something written on it, you're going to get booked for it. That's the world we live in. But God's going to help us. And as many of us as, you know, as are really determined to make a change in our generation, I believe that God is going to help us do that one step at a time. Um, I believe everybody here is a professional one way or the other. And we can be so good at what we do. And we can portray Christ in a way that people will come and meet us. Not us going to meet them and say, tell me about your God. It is possible that people will come and meet us and say, tell me about your God. I want to know this, your God. Okay. We should be light. Light. Light attracts. Light attracts. At night, if you turn on your light, naturally, you don't need to invite insects. They will come. Light attracts. If you are in a class reading at night and it, and 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 uh, where, wherever wherever there is light, that is where you see more students gathered. Light naturally attracts, and people cannot do without salt. There was a reason why Jesus used these two things. Okay, it's about relevance, and it's about global relevance, and it's about universal relevance. Okay, you can't choose. There's no there's no race of men. There's no place you go to that they don't use light, and there's no place you go to that they don't use salt. Okay, so let us seek to be relevant, not to be important. You can be important and impotent. Okay, so there are many people that are important and important. And the church has been for a long time very important, but very important. We need to begin to become relevant. Because that is what makes all the difference. You know, you know, Miles Monroe has been called to Islamic parliaments and even mosques to, to speak to them. They know he's a Christian, they know he's a pastor, but he has something else to offer beyond religion. And so they invite him to come. You know, so we need to we need to we need to be relevant beyond the four walls of the church. If you've forgotten everything that I said, just take that. You know, we need to be relevant beyond the four walls of the church. Be relevant to a point that even though people know you are a Christian and they hate Christians, you have something that they want. So we need to grow in value. We need to definitely grow in value. And that is, uh, that, is, that, is, that is how we begin this. So we don't just distribute religion. We also need to distribute value. And God is going to help us.